again as we continue talking about the body of Christ and our identity, I, I want to begin talking to you of how come it's so hard for us to recognize how special we are? How come it's so hard for us as the body of Christ to see the plan of God and the actual image that God has placed in each one of our hearts to do great things for the kingdom? I looked out this past week and I saw many of you in your lives, your businesses, your jobs, and uh, our mayor was meeting all different dignitaries this past week and different things, and we were touching lives all around the world this week. Don't you recognize how amazing you are? It's also amazing because if you really think about it, from the very beginning of the conception of us, when our mom was pregnant with us, people would walk up to her belly and say, I know that that child's going to be something very special. That child's going to be beautiful. That child's going to be handsome because of the way the parents are. So right away, there were these wonderful words about who you were. Then you were born. And come on, be a little honest with me. A lot of times when we're born, you know, sitting in that ambiotic fluid for nine months, and everybody walks up and says, oh, how beautiful. But there again, there's someone always speaking wonderful things over you because you are. Then you begin to grow, and now you begin to take a hold of the spoon, and you're able to feed yourself, and everybody's clapping for you. They're your cheerleader. And then, lo and behold, the first time you go to the bathroom on the toilet, Everybody is called, the neighbors, the relatives. You save it in the toilet so everybody can see it. And you're applauded and applauded. You go to preschool, and everybody says you're the smartest around. You're in school, and you do things, and you get a certificate. And everybody's called, and letters, and all kinds of things, and Insignias are put out. Some people, I've even seen people have literally put out on bulletin boards outside of what their child has done. You begin playing sports and you have coaches. And the coach sees uh, specific abilities that you have. And he sees it and he begins to tell you, did you know if you will work hard that you will and you apply this, you will be so good. People will know you. You will be able to do great things. They don't know. They don't know. They just see a gifting, and they say they are really good, but they don't know your future. They're just going by what they see. Then you get into high school, and you graduate, and, and everybody, you know, you, you toss your hat, and everybody applauds. You have parties. You begin to get in adulthood, and now here it comes. The devastation of life that happens when people now stop being your cheerleader and they become people that will literally boo you. They will say things about you and they will do things. You will face immense things. But I want to say to you, 
How come throughout our life, there are so many cheerleaders, mentors, coaches that speak great things, and they don't know your future, but God does, and God speaks in his word exactly who you are. And so my question to you, again, is how come it's so hard for us to recognize what God has done? Because God, every single day, Jesus himself is sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and speaking words of faith over you because Jesus knows exactly who you are. And so now that we have found that we are partnering with God, knowing God's created principle, that we, the body of Christ, the church, is to coexist with God, we still struggle with that. See, we are partnering with God to get things done on this earth. You are that specific person to do great things for the kingdom. But in many instances, we even boo ourselves. We ask the question, if God doesn't need anything, why did he decide to cooperate and work with us? And the answer we gave you was God decided to cooperate with us because God wants you. God literally wants you, and I'm proving that to you last week and this week. Last week, we began giving three reasons why God wanted you, the body of Christ. The first reason we gave and we covered last week, God, who doesn't need a thing, created you in his image. And there's a specific purpose for that. God wants you because you are a reflection of his image. You are a reflection. In the spirit realm, when the spirit realm looks at you, you are a reflection of God. You are there to produce well. You are there to produce well. Why? Because it's your mission and call to do his will. Now, in the creation of Adam and Eve, God makes someone just like he is, and the one that he makes, Adam, wants something. What did God want? What did Adam want? Adam wanted a friend. He wanted a companion. He wanted a bride. So he wanted to coexist with someone like him. And God's plan, God's intention, then was to create Eve in his image, in his likeness. We can doctrinally show you the scripture and spread it out and show you how it was done and all the different things. But we understand this at Valley. So we must recognize because Adam was created in the image of God, Adam wanted to be with Eve because Adam wanted someone like him. Here's the second reason. I know God wants you. He, rege he redeemed you with his blood. But here's the problem. Again, here it is. God created you in his image, but we fall. We sin. So he redeems us with his blood. Redeem means to buy back. The word redeem means buy back. So the question here is, could God have redeemed us another way? Well, bottom line, no. But let's, 
let's go ahead and, and talk about redemption just a little bit in today's day or yesteryear. For some of us who are a little bit older, um, could God have used S&H green stamps? Remember those? For the younger, and you don't know what that was, years ago, when you would buy groceries, um, they would give you S&H green stamps, and they would give you also books, empty books, that you would go ahead and you would put those stamps in. Hmm, why would you do that? Well, let me tell you. You would fill the books up, and it would take about one million of those books to buy a lamp. But in essence, you would get those, and you would be able to redeem those stamps for a lamp, for many different things. Some of us uh, more wise people remember that, right? So you would take these books to the S&H Green Stamp store called the Redemption Center. You licked the stamps and glued these stamps to the book, then you took it in. It's probably why a lot of people are, have a lot of brain damage licking the glue. But God's a healer. The statement I want to make here is, um, could God have done it another way? No, he could not. Looking at Scripture in the Old Testament, God had been forgiving people's sins by the shed blood of animals for years. When Adam and Eve sinned, the first thing they did is they went and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. But the first time you find the sacrifice and you find blood shed was that God says, I will cover you, but in doing so, I'm going to cleanse you. And what he did is he sacrificed animals and he made uh, skin with the fur for Adam and Eve. So there is one way that sin is cleansed, and it's by the blood. So God shed the blood of an animal and covered them with skin and fur and fur of the animal. In Genesis 3, it says this. I, I, I want you to just see this. That's why I'm going just a little bit quick, and I, I want you to, to really understand that all your young life, you always had cheerleaders, and today, you're not even your own cheerleader. And it's because we really don't comprehend and have revelation of God's intention when he created you. Bottom line, he wanted you. And you have to really realize that. When, when you leave here today, I want you to feel good about who you are. I want you to understand who you are. And, and we're going we're gonna to follow through on this, and we're going we're gonna to answer some of your questions, but I want you to recognize here, when you leave this place, you must feel better about yourself, not because you're perfect, but because God wanted you. And he did everything perfectly so that he could have you. Genesis 3 says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil, and now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. 
Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden, and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now watch this. We talked about this. We touched on this. Now I want you to really grab a hold of this truth. The reason why Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, because God never wanted us to live in eternity with sin. That there was an answer for that sin, and God had to block the garden so that we could not eat of the tree of life. Scripture tells us later on is that when God comes back and we live in eternal life with our new body, that we will again consume and be a part of the tree of life. That the tree of life has not been destroyed. It is God's intention is to create us in his image and his likeness so that we would live in eternity. He wants us, someone just like him, for eternity to live with him. God has done it. He's done it through the blood of Jesus Christ. So does God really want you? The answer is yes. God decided in the beginning his son would shed his blood to redeem and buy us back to him. Hebrews 9 says that. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, notice that, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serving the living God. And for this reason, for this reason, for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance." Why are you booing yourself? Why are you saying you can't do that? Because. Because of what someone said? Because of what someone did? Verse 12 again says, Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. You are wanted, and God created you in his image like in likeness, but he also died and he shed his blood so that you, for eternity, can live with him. So I have a question. Did God know when he created you that you were going to sin? The answer is yes. Well, another question is, did Jesus know it would cost him his blood to redeem you? <laughs> the answer is yes. Then why in the world did he create you? Because <laughs> that's what we're thinking. I'm not good enough. I can't do that. 
The answer is because he wanted you. Again, I want you to leave here feeling loved and wanted. Stop booing yourself and your brothers and sisters. Now, you might have a quiet personality and don't want anybody to notice you, but you have someone's attention, and his name is Jesus. You are his daily delight, Scripture tells us. You are the body of Christ. You are the church. The church is a bad name today in the world. Jesus loves you and wants you and wants to have a relationship with you. So always know this truth. God didn't have to redeem you. He chose to redeem you. He didn't have to do it. He chose to do it. (laughs) Remember at school, you chose two captains and they chose the teams? Really sad to watch the last two being chosen. Two of them are there and you know both of them are thinking, choose me, choose me, choose me. I don't want to be last. That's not how God chose you. See, in Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to hear this. tells us how he chose us. Look at this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us to adoption as sons, daughters, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It was, it pleases God to have you born again. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Notice the word grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. John 15, 16 says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Ephesians says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God. And we have to get to a place of receiving that. But throughout your young childhood, yay, you're so beautiful, you're so handsome. Look what you did. Start walking, you fall all the time. Yay, catch them. You go to school, you get certificates. Everyone's saying, yay, yay, yay. And then when we get to adulthood and life starts happening, we start booing ourselves. And we don't want to accept what God has done. And the body of Christ is not functioning at its highest ability because they don't believe what God actually did. 
They don't believe the intention that God has. And so we live our lives based upon what we accomplish and not who we are created to be. 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. How do I know God wants us? Well, first, he created us in his image. And second of all, he redeemed us with his blood. So here is the third reason I want to spend some time with this. And I want to break generational curse of thinking. I want to break lack of faith because of experience. Because in this world, you will have tribulation. And what we have done in many instances, we have allowed our experience to become truth of what God is. Instead of allowing the the experience of the Word and the truth of the Word to tell us who God is, what He did, what His intention is, and no matter what goes on in my life, I believe Him, and I am important, and I'm wanted by God. And I'm going to walk out these doors knowing that I am a child of God, and good things are in store for me, because that's His plan. Amen? Here's the third. God perfected you by his grace. So let's go through this again. (laughs) God created us in his image, but we fall. So God redeems us with his blood, but I still sin. I still fall. He redeems me, but I still make mistakes. I still mess up. I still don't do what I'm called to do in all cases. But because God wants you, he goes a step further. God makes me perfect in his sight by his grace. That's where we just like it, I I can't comprehend that. Well, pastor, you shouldn't use the word perfect because no one's perfect. Well, the Bible uses it. It uses it in two contexts. In Hebrews 7, 19, it says, for the law made nothing perfect. In other words, the law of what you're doing doesn't make you perfect by doing everything right. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And Hebrews 10, 19 says this, for by a single offering, he, Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Those who have received Jesus Christ, he has perfected you. No matter how bad you've been in this world, if you've confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, he's perfected you. You mean I didn't do all the things I did in my past? No, you did it. You're probably paying a lot of penalty for it. But watch what it says. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified are those who have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. The word perfect means bring to an end or to complete or to perfect. The word righteousness 
means right standing with God because of what Jesus did. So what Scripture tells us here, what was God's intention in creating you? He wants you. And we're proving to you that he wants you by you being created in his image and his likeness. You have the ability to walk with God. He's redeemed you, bought you back by his blood. And third of all, by his grace, he has perfected you. You and I are in perfect standing with God because Jesus was perfect. I could spend hours on scripture and doctrine and words and all the different things, but I want you to comprehend and grab hold and keep hold of. As a matter of fact, the four messages on God's intention, we're going to make it into a mini-series so that you could hear it over and over and over and over and over again. Because you must get to a place of where when you were a child and your parents or someone, your aunt, your godparent, whoever it was, told you, said, you can do this. And you would do it. With all the chaos around you, you would do it because mama said I could do it. But let me tell you, daddy God said you can do it. And not only said you could do it, he's done everything, so it's a done deal. So you can do it. The body of Christ. Now, I've said this before, a few months ago. I'll say it again so that you understand this. I am not perfect in performance. I am perfect in my position with God. Because it's that dichotomy that we, we, we live our lives and, and we come to church and we worship God and with the worship that we have today in, in church, it's like, how can you not worship? Because of the anointing that is there when we're together worshiping. And then we leave church and we act the way we do. But the Bible says we're being sanctified, we're being changed daily in the word of God. Some are being changed quicker because they're in the Word of God. Some, a lot slower because they're not in the Word of God. They're not journaling. They're not going to OSL. They're not going to freedom ministry. They're not going to women's ministries. They're not going to the men's journaling. And I'm t- I want to tell you, the very essence of Valley Community Church is to equip you to know who you are, the body of Christ, that you can go out these four walls and you can conquer everything the enemy has tried to do against your family, against your health, against your prosperity. And you can live your life and begin to do things well, but you must always depend on that you are perfect in position. It's not just performance. Bible says faith without works is dead. That you do things from your faith. But the reality is you must realize God's intention when he created you. It breaks my heart that I watch people come in and go out. They're angry. They're angry at the world. They're angry at everyone around them. They're angry at God. 
when God has already. Remember, he did it first. He's already done everything he needs to do. Well, I'm just waiting. No. Know who you are. Get out there and do it. And expect and thank him. Oh, God, if you just... No, expect him to do it because he already promised. He's already said it. See, the Bible says, Beloved, I, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. What does that mean? Your thinking, your, your mindset, the way you talk, the way you... Everything is as that prospers, you will begin to prosper in those things that God has called you into and for. Hebrews 12, 23 says, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. You know what, bottom line, he's just saying, hey, Valley community, it's this. Let me read it again. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Who's registered in heaven? Those that have confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, amen? To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Let me ask you this. Is God perfect? Yes. So how could you have a relationship with him unless he perfects you? Your spirit is perfect. <laughs> Your spirit, Scripture tells us, cannot sin. <laughs> but I sin. Your spirit cannot sin. It's your flesh. We are three parts, body, soul, and spirit. So I know this is going to shock you, but I don't have a perfect body. Neither do you. I don't have a perfect soul. I don't have perfect thoughts. I don't make perfect choices. But by the grace of God, I have a perfect spirit. I'm being perfected, though, in my soul. As I go to OSL, as I go to the different ministries, as I study the Word of God. And one day, we will have a perfect body. <laughs> we will have a perfect body. And I don't have to go to LA Fitness anymore. Scripture calls it our resurrected or new body. See, the body of Christ, if you don't understand this, you become hard on you. And you become defensive. And you blame it on others. Well, if so-and-so would have done this, then I, we blame others because we become defensive. We become offended 
by others. And what we need to understand that if we will, the body of Christ, begin to see one another as perfect spirit, but we all mess up, then we'll be cool with one another. And we can begin to be a part of the body of Christ and reaching out to the world. Because the world is looking for what I just explained to you. But the world, this is foolishness to the world. And to religious people, this is foolishness to them. My spirit is perfect. You're created in the image of God. In the likeness of God. But let me tell you, there is one way that grace doesn't work. When it's not received. It's one way grace will not be, will not work in your life when it's not received. Pastor Dan absolutely nailed it to a wall. Nailed it when he was talking about health, when he was talking about what God has done and it needs to be received. I want to challenge you, church family. I want to challenge Valley Community Church. I want to challenge you to not only stop booing yourself, but stop booing your brothers and sisters. I want to challenge you to go back to when you had small children. And no matter what they did, you applauded them. But every time they started to walk, they fell. But you picked them back up and you applauded them. You can do it. You can do it. To brag on your brothers and sisters. Instead of talking about them. Instead of demeaning them. Instead of uh, pointing out their faults. So that's ha that happened when we started getting into uh, later elementary or junior high or high school that people began to point out your faults. But you didn't understand that because your whole life from the time you were born, <laughs> I won't say that. When you were born, yeah, I will. When you were born and they said you were beautiful and you weren't that beautiful yet. <laughs> but that's what you're used to. And you jump into fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, whatever it is, now people started pointing out your faults. So you didn't know how to handle that. You'd run home and you'd cry to mom. But they said, oh, don't worry about that, honey, because I know who you are. Okay, mom. By the time we get into our adulthood, there's that battle. Because we're trying to please man instead of pleasing God of receiving his grace and knowing who we are. We're children of God. Break through that generational curse of many things from drunkenness to drugs. Break through that hatred. Break through that every time you join together in a in a uh, family outing, there's a fight that breaks out. And, and the reality is, and the reason why it is, is because we have not received the grace of God and every one of them in that room could be born again and know who they are in Christ, quote. 
but we use even religion to bite at people. I know more than you know. Let me tell you, church family, as long as you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, I'm cool with that. And there are some people out there, their doctrine is, it is not even close to Scripture. But their doctrine of confessing Jesus Christ as Lord is right on. They're going to go to heaven. They're going to mess up a lot of stuff because they don't know the truth. But we have to get to a place of realizing who we are. Are you with me on this? Can I challenge you this year for you to reach out of yourself and begin to show people how special they are? Begin to be an encourager, not one that always needs to be encouraged. Do we all need to be encouraged? Absolutely. That's what the body of Christ is about. Not you're more important, let's spend all the time with you. We gather together, we worship God, and when we worship God, his presence is here and healing manifests. And the power of God moves. The world needs you. Young people, your schools need you. They need a godly young man, young woman, that will go out and do great things for the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about standing on a soapbox and pointing your finger to everybody, you need, you're going to hell. No, I'm not talking about that. If they ask you a question, if I don't receive Christ, will I go to hell? Yes, but I don't want you to do that. And God created you. He doesn't want you to do that either. That's all you got to do. Answer that. But let me tell you what God has for you. Let me tell you, God wants you. You know why? God created you. God redeemed us through his blood. He went to the cross for you and me. Why? Because he wants and loves you. (laughs) Hmm. Most of us have received grace for salvation. Here's the problem. Have you received grace for your last week? Have you stepped into that grace through faith? Have you stepped into the belief of your healing? Have you stepped into the belief of your family being well? Have you stepped into the faith of of these things with your finances? Have you stepped into that? It is of grace, but through faith you receive it. That's why we know that God wants us. Because it's of grace. He's already done the work. It is so hard because of the dichotomy of when you were young, everybody, you know, cheered you. And when you start getting older, you had to take responsibility and a lot of people booed you because they were in the same boat. They're being boat potatoes. They're scared, just like all the disciples. And Peter said, hey, man, I'm scared. I don't know. Is that you, Jesus? Yeah, it's me. 
Well, bid me to come. I'm not getting out of this boat unless you bid me to come. He says, come on. And he stepped out of the boat. And your minds just went to, yeah, but he sank. He stepped out of the boat. Again, everybody else was a boat potato. Watching life and not doing anything about it. He created me because he wanted me. But then I fell. So God redeemed me because he wanted me. But I still fall. So through Christ, he perfected me so he could have relationship with me. That's God's intention. That's God's desire. I, I, I love it. Yesterday with all the men, the kingdom men, all those deep voices, you know, and, and just laughing and talking and great food, and the, the leadership of the men, great job. You know, just being around people. My friend over here hanging out later on and coming to me and asking me if basically, am I okay? Do I need anything? I wasn't looking for that. But that's what kingdom is. That we're concerned about others. That's what kingdom is. Is that we're, we're believing, we have faith. And, and we, we gotta stop blaming God for where we're at. Because God did it all. Church family, if there's anything in our lives that's not in line with what needs to be, it's not God's fault. Amen. And I'm not saying, bottom line, it's your fault. But what I'm saying, we got to stop blaming God for everything. we got to stop wondering why God is doing this or doing that. We have to get to a place in our life where we truly understand his intention. And if all Hades breaks loose in our life, God, I'm in the midst of this tribulation, but you have overcome the world, and I'm going to hang on to you. I'm going to cooperate with you. I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to be the church, and I'm going to win. And I'm going to win. No longer out of my mouth I will speak negativity and boo myself. Let's all stand. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord an applause. Amen. How special you are in the kingdom of God. It is a joy to be with the church.